book of James has been in our face quite a bit over the last few weeks. We've even had to, if you weren't with us, we've, we've needed to take a break here and there just to be encouraged by some other things. Not that uh, James is a bad book. No, not at all. But at times we need encouragement. Uh, other times we need God to speak directly to us. We had that a few weeks ago in chapter 3. when We talked about taming the tongue together. And this week is similar to that. For whatever reason, in God's providence, He wants us to look at and be warned about worldliness. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So as we work through, like we do, we're going to go through verse by verse and try to figure out what this means and how we can apply it to our lives. So starting James chapter 4, verse 1, let's look at it together. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? First, who is James writing to here? Congregation, let me know. Is he writing to non-believers or is he writing to the church? church. Writing to the church. Now, get out of here. Are there ever fights inside the church? <laughs> Quarrels? Issues? Yes. In one sense, that's quite sad. But in another, be encouraged because that's every church that's ever existed, they have fights and quarrels everywhere. The question is not whether we're going to disagree, whether we're going to offend one another, whether we're going to have some issues. The question is, how are we going to respond when they happen? So when we are responding in a wrong way, it looks more like what James is talking here. What causes these quarrels and what causes these fights? What's the base of it? Where's it coming from? He asks the question, he answers it. Is it not this, that your passions or pleasures are at war within you? The things that we desire, that we're passionate about, the pleasures, the things that we like, are inside of us and at war, because we want these things. But what happens when I really want this, and Cindy really wants that? Phil would like it like this, but Beth says, I'd prefer it like that. The next verse starts, it says, you desire and you do not have. What's interesting is the problem is not that we have desires, that we have passions. We have preferences. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when we hold to those things with a closed fist and we say, these desires become our demands. And we say, no, it's going to be my way. This is how I want it. That's when we get into trouble. Because love doesn't insist on its own way. If you remember from 1 Corinthians. Maybe you even have the right, especially from the world standards, you may have the right to say, well, it's my right, actually. It needs to be this way. What love says is even though that's my right, I'm going to put that aside because I love you more than that. But when we're doing the opposite, that's when we get into trouble. And that's when these quarrels and these fights start. Verse 2, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. Wow, 
If anyone thought First Baptist Church Cedar Key was rough, who James is talking to here would be real rough. I mean, there's two ways to take that murder right there. It either means literally they're killing one another. Could be. Not real clear in the text, but could they actually, Christians actually be warring so much in the church that they're killing one another? Maybe. Or, again, remember James, who James was, half-brother of Jesus. It could be also that they're hating one another. You remember what Jesus taught about hate in your heart? What that's equivalent to? Murder. Because, again, the heart's the issue. So, at the worst, they're actually really killing each other. At best, they just hate one another. Does that describe us? I hope not. I hope not. But if there are fights and quarrels, the Scripture's telling us what's going on. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. I really want that thing and I can't have it, so now I'm going to fight with other people because I'm unhappy. And friends, I think overall we're doing a good job. I think overall we're moving in a great direction. But what is true is that this exists all across the world. And like I said, this has existed for all, all times. And this is the exact opposite of what Christ calls us to be as a church. He calls us to continue to lay down our lives for one another. Honor one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. He calls for the exact opposite. And our churches all across this world are fighting and hating one another and dividing over the dumbest things. May God protect us from that and that not be us. He moves to verse 3. Check out what he says here. You ask and do not receive. So he's talking about prayer here, and they're apparently praying, and they're asking, but they're not getting what, they're ask, what they've been asking for. Let me ask you this. How many of you have prayed for something and you didn't receive it? How many? Show of hands. Okay. We've all had that. Sometimes when we don't receive what we've asked for, many times it's because it's not what's good for us. We think we know what we want. I've used this analogy a little bit before, but when Leanna or Caleb or one of my kids says, can I have more ice cream? Had one big bowl and I had a cookie earlier. Can I have another big bowl of ice cream? No. I love you, and so I'm telling you no. Because you're going to be throwing up at 2 a.m. if you eat this bowl of ice cream. It's not good for you. In that moment, you know what they're thinking? They're not thinking, my dad loves me so much. (laughs) Are you? Is that what you're normally thinking? No, it's not. They're thinking, oh, come on. Other kids get to do it. Other parents allow that. They're not realizing that I love them, and I'm saying no. Sometimes we learned also with the persistent widow that sometimes when we ask for something, we don't ask enough for it. We're not persistent. And God, sometimes he waits to see, is it something we really want? I can tell that with the kids, too. If they want to do something, hey, let's go down to the park. Can we go down? Yeah, maybe we can do that later today. They don't ask again. Maybe they weren't that interested. But then there's times. Hey, just wondering, Dad, uh, are we going to go down to the park? Yep, you asked five minutes ago. We're, <laughs> we're going to do that. Okay, good. Hey, Dad, are we going to do anything later today? Are we going to go to the park? Okay, we need to go to the park today because they really want to go. 
Sometimes God is just letting us see what's in our heart and allowing us to just continue to ask and ask. So that way when he gives it, when we go to the park, you know what their response is? Yay! Yay! Right? (laughs) Dad, you're awesome. Thanks for taking me to the park. Same thing with God. When we pray and we pray and we pray, it's changing our hearts. And then when he says yes, we go, yeah, that's my dad. Woo! That's dad. Okay? So they're asking and not receiving. Could be many reasons, but let's look what the text says. Because you ask wrongly. They're asking wrongly here. To spend it on your passions. So you're asking, and the reason you want that thing is for yourself. You're selfish. You think our good God is going to go ahead and give us something that's going to help us become more selfish? Not a chance. That's what's happening here. They want to use it for their own passions. Those very passions that we were just talking about in verse 1 that are having these battles inside of them that's causing all this division and this quarrels, he's going to feed that? Not at all. He's going to say, nope, not going to give you that because I'm a good dad who loves you. Now James gets real serious. (laughs) Verse 4. You adulterous people. Exclamation point. So, you adulterous people. Wow. That idea of adultery we see, that's actually, in the Greek, is is feminine. So that's not to pick on all the ladies in here, that they're the ones who would cheat. It's because we collectively are known to be the bride of Christ. This is a constant thing that we see throughout the Old Testament. The people of God, they're supposed to worship Him, and they go and they worship other gods. And He constantly links it to adultery. Why? Because that is the ultimate betrayal. Is it not? That's the ultimate betrayal. And so when that happens, we can understand that. And if that's ever happened to you, then you can understand a little bit of what God is thinking there. That's why he links it to that. And so he's talking to Christians, all times, all places, so we need to check our hearts here as a church and as individuals, talking to us. If we're so far off that even when we pray we're being selfish, we are an adulterous people because we're worshiping someone else other than God. Guess what we're worshiping? Guess what they're worshiping? Self. It's got to be my way. And if you're not going to do it my way, I'm leaving. That's what he's saying, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself kind of just okay with God. Is that what it says? What's it say? Actual enemy. Show of hands, who wakes up each morning and goes, I'm excited to be an enemy of God today? Nope. Nobody. But also, how many of us wake up each day and do not carefully decide, am I going to follow the world or am I going to follow Christ? Am I going to follow myself? Because guess what the world's message is? You know who's most important? You! Oh, it's all about you! We've talked about that's been coming in this culture for years. Have it your way, any way you want it. That's what we're fed regularly. 
daily, multiple times a day. That's the message continuing to come. It's all about you. And the message of the Bible is it's all about him. And we're to do everything we can to make his name great. And when we don't do that, we're focusing on self and we're lining ourselves up with the world. And we're on, we find ourselves, I thought I was on God's team, but if I'm not careful, I'm helping the other team. You ever seen that sport? It's real cute. You see on Facebook or a video, kid gets the ball, he's really excited, his first soccer game, mom and dad, woo, my kid's the best, he's going be, to be a champion, he's dribbling, he gets the ball, he kicks, he misses once, he kicks again, it kind of rolls into the goal and he celebrates. And the coach is going, that was our own goal. We're not careful. That's what we're doing. We're just like, hey, Satan, where do you want? Goal right here? Great. Got to be careful. That's why James is so serious about this. We talked about that in 1 John. If you'll remember, we were in 1 John chapter 2. Listen to this, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, remember that desires word, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Verse 5. Or do you suppose... It is to no purpose that the Scripture says He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made dwell in us. Wait a minute. Jealous? Did I see the word jealous there? Let's read Exodus 20, verse 5. Exodus 20, verse 5. Right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Kind of an important part, right? You shall not bow down to them. This is talking about these graven, graven images, these other things you're worshiping, including self. But specifically here, these graven images. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Exodus 34:14 For you shall worship no other god for the Lord whose name is jealous for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god Wait a minute how can god be jealous Right George is like whoa I'm not sure about this one pastor's gone off a little bit so just to convince him, let's do Isaiah 42.8 as well. Real quick, Isaiah 42.8. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. You know what he's jealous for? His own glory. His own glory. 
How, how is it okay for him to be jealous? What do we tell our kids all the time? Don't be jealous. People are dating. Just hanging out with this friend of mine. Don't be jealous. We speak about it like it's a bad thing. And many times it is. The difference is, with God, he owns it. And if he owns it, it rightfully belongs to him. And when it's not his, then he can be jealous about it. Let me give you an example. Heather and I, we're married. Is it okay for me to have other friends who are ladies? What do you think? Yes or no? Yes. Is it okay for me to have some conversations with them? Say there were two or three that I have a lot of conversations with in a week. Every day I'm talking with them. Is that okay? And we're starting to get a little uncomfortable. How about like we text, phone calls. I say, uh, uh, yeah, one, one second, I need to take this phone call. Leave the room. She says, oh, who are you talking to? Ah, just a friend. Wait, is this okay? No. no. How about Heather's like, hey, let's go as a family. After church, let's go to Annie's. I'm like, ah, I'm going to go with this other lady. We're going to go down over to Tony's. <laughs> is this good? No. Not good. She would be becoming jealous because I'm rightfully hers. It's part of the marriage covenant. She's rightfully mine. Doesn't mean you can't have friends. Doesn't mean you can't have other relationships. What it does mean is this is where my devotion is. This is where my focus is. So what God's saying is, my glory. You start praising somebody else, that's not okay. You start worshiping someone else, especially yourself, that's not okay. I receive the glory. That's why salvation is not by works. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through what? This is not of your own doing so that no one may boast. boast. Caleb, come here real quick, son. Could have Roy come up, but we'll do, we'll do Caleb. Come up here, buddy. Face that way. I need to explain something to you about salvation. Because I've recently heard it taught wrongly. Yesterday it was taught wrongly. Salvation is by faith, by grace, through faith. Okay? I'm going to give Caleb a present here in a second. I'm really actually giving you this present. This is really going to be yours. I'm going to give him a present. Caleb, all you'll have to do to receive this present is when I tell you, you're going to turn around. You're going to believe that I love you. You're going to believe that I'm your dad, and you're going to receive this present from me. Okay? Okay. I didn't tell you. (laughs) This was something that was given to me a long time ago by my aunt. Go ahead and turn around. This is a gold bracelet that was given to me by your aunt. He receives it. What do you do? Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That's the extent. Praise God. Stay here for a sec. Stay here. You hold on to it. Oh, let me give that. Okay. Taking it back. (laughs) Turn around again. Turn around again. I give it to him. He responds with happiness, with joy, and he hugs me. Right? 
He hugs me. Caleb, go ahead and turn around. You need to receive this. This is a gift from me to you. As you receive it, go ahead and take it. But you also have to give me a hug now. Go ahead and give me a hug. Let's do it again. Flip around. Go ahead and turn around. I give it to you as a gift, and you have to give me a hug. Oh, uh, nope, then you don't get it. His response should definitely be, give me a hug. Right? Should be, right? Go ahead and take this. Go down, buddy. Thank you. The receiving of salvation is a gift. It's through faith. If you add that you have to be baptized, you have to be water baptized to that to be saved. You just made baptism a work. Do you understand? If I add anything to that, that him just receiving it, then I've just made that a work he has to do to now be saved. Not to mention it causes a lot of trouble for the thief on the cross. No baptism. Now here's the thing. Now here's the thing. Be careful. I'm not saying that there should be any Christians that are not baptized. If you can be baptized, if he can give me a hug, he should. Because it's the first step of obedience. It's repentance. Notice what, what way I had him turn. He's away from me. We're away from God. We believe, we repent, we turn. That's what repentance means. And we receive God's gift. And Scripture is clear you are to be baptized. Clear. There should not be Christians out there who have not been baptized. Shouldn't. Unless they can't be. Like the thief on the cross. Make sense? But, the second you say it's required, you've now add works. And here's the thing. Who gets even the smallest part of that glory if there's works involved? We do. If it's because he hugged me, then you guys are going, hug him, you need to hug him, you need to get this hug, hug, hug. If he hugs me, then he's done something. And our God is jealous for his glory. And that way, when we're in heaven, it is only singing of amazing grace and praising him for his amazing gift. And not... Oh, you're so wonderful, God. And we did some things too. I got baptized. No. It's a symbol of what you believe. And yes, in obedience, you need to be baptized. So it is vital. It's the first thing really you should do. But it does not save you. Do you understand? Okay. That's what we're talking about when we say that God is jealous for his own glory, including and specifically salvation. Let's move on quickly. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Again, you don't want to oppose the Lord. Humble ourselves before him. Listen to what he says in verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What does that mean? He's going to spell some of this out for us. Resist the devil, and he will actually flee from you. This does not mean that he will forever flee from you. 
This doesn't mean it's like just one time you're like, oh, Satan was coming, there was a temptation, and I fought back with Scripture, and yes, and he left, and he goes away. Guess what? That doesn't mean he's gone forever. He will continually come. We continually need to be in prayer. We continually need to be fighting him with Scripture. But realize that if you have the Holy Spirit of God, when Satan comes with temptations and things, you don't have to give in. You don't have to give in. Whereas if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you will always give in. And sometimes, even if we have the Holy Spirit, like the Christians here, we still give in. And that's what the cross is for, because we say, Lord, I messed up again, but I'm so thankful that your Son is perfect. And he died in my place for that sin. Again, remember, God doesn't learn anything about you. He knows everything about you. So the new sin that just crept up, the sin that you did, guess what? He didn't go, Sandra, I didn't know it. No, he knew it, and he still died for it. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Submitting ourselves to God. Submitting ourselves means basically... We're going to line up our lives under God's word and God's will. Whatever we're going to do, God's word, God's will. How should we handle the situation? What does God's word say? What is his will for us? What do his people say? That's why we have each other. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Has anyone ever felt like God wasn't that close to them? Ever felt that way at all? Only a few of you. Praise God. Okay. The rest of you, you got it. I'll talk to these people. God's always around. He's everywhere, right? He's not far off. But there is this feeling sometimes. And majority of the time, what that is, is we're not drawing near to him as we're supposed to be. And usually there's sin going on in our life that we need to repent of. Just like when I say something, a bonehead comment to Heather, she still loves me, but there's this little thing now, and I need to go ask for forgiveness for it. So that way we can have this relationship without any issues right so what he's saying is draw near to god and he'll draw near to you how do we do that he answers it for us listen cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded meaning you're doing everything mixed emotions yeah it's kind of for god but it's kind of for me be wretched and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Here's the thing. Be broken over your sin. And remember, it was enough that Jesus died on the cross. That's how serious our sin is. We can't take sin lightly. Gossip, backbiting. Remember, we've talked about this before. Those who cause division, it's so serious that Paul says in Titus, warn them, warn them again, and then put them, have nothing to do with them any longer. It's very serious. So what do we do? We see our sin. We get broken, but don't stay there. Humble yourself and then rejoice in the cross. Rejoice in the resurrection and be raised up again. We're going to stop there. We'll pick up later. Uh, Here's the thing. This is how we're to respond. If you know Jesus, if you follow Jesus... Check your heart. Continue to draw near to God. Continue to resist the devil. Continue to be broken over your sin and cry out to him and plead for mercy. Humble yourselves and guess what will happen? He will exalt you in due time. If you don't know Jesus, 
If you've never received the gift of grace, salvation, you can do that today. You can cry out. You can talk with me. We're going to have this time of invitation. Roy's going to come up for our time of invitation. I'm going to close in prayer. And you can come up. You can pray up here as well. Don't, don't feel like this is just something, well, uh, I mean, if I'm going to... If I'm going to need to get saved, then I'm going to come forward. You don't have to do that. If you want to just come and pray, you can pray up here. You can pray in your seat. You can respond. If you feel like the Lord is leading you to join the church, if you're not a member, you're welcome to do that. This is a time that you can come forward and we can talk about that. However it is that God is leading you today, that's how you need to respond. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the fact that you are an amazing God who is full of grace. You are full of grace and mercy. Lord, we we confess that, Lord, there are times that we desire things and we put our desires in front of others. They become our demands. Lord, I pray that if we have that in this church at all, Lord, that we would lay those down, that we would, our desires would be to love one another and serve one another in such a way that you receive glory and honor and the world sees the love that we have for one another and they know that we're followers of you. Lord, help us to be broken over our sin, not to take it lightly, but Lord, also help us not to stay there. Help us to repent of sin, ask for forgiveness of sin, go to those who we've sinned against, go to those who've sinned against us, fix it and move forward and continue to proclaim your glory and your mercy. I pray for all my friends here. I pray that we would all respond according to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.